Welcome to Subject Matter, where we help leaders navigate the tricky waters of building a company. We are shining a light on the subtleties that unlock empathetic communication, letting you build powerful relationships. I'm your host, Ben Bradbury, the founder of Astutely. Let's get started. The saying goes that birds of a feather flock together. And for that reason, you might tell yourself that you hate networking, that you like sticking with your close tribe of connections. Well, today we're exploring why that conventional wisdom might need some more thought and how your strong ties within your inner tribe might help your present self survive. But it's those weak ties outside of this circle that are really going to turn that surviving into thriving. Now, last season on Subject Matter, we explored this concept of relationship squared on episode 13. And this is the idea of the relationship that you have to your relationships. Now, we couldn't cover, obviously, everything that we had there in the half an hour or so episode. And it's an important concept. So we're going to come back to relationship squared this season and on this episode by digging into one of the other types of connections that you can create. And on this episode, We're going to focus on one specific type of connection that falls outside of your inner tribe that you know so well, and these are your weak ties. We can frame the different kinds of relationships we make into a broad mental model of two categories, strong ties and weak ties. Strong ties are the close connections that you've known for years. So this could be your childhood friends, schoolmates, and these are often the people that you have the strongest bond with. Weak ties, on the other hand, have been in your life for much less time. And this includes potential former employers that you've worked with, professors at university, higher education classmates, or any association that you don't promote as having been part of your close circle. Now, conventional wisdom would suggest that the strength of a tie is cultivated with time and experience, and indeed that the more time and experience we have, the better that is for our relationships, right? Well, the truth is that not all relationships are created equal. And while we might think that our strong ties are the most important group, because after all, they've loyally been with you for years, right? Actually, research has shown that these strong ties might be more restrictive than you think. The problem is that strong ties know your present self really well, which means that they might be blinded to the possibilities that a weak tie with a foreign new perspective could offer, and that ultimately creates the opportunity and challenge for you to grow. To explain this concept today, let's break down one thought leader who teaches this very theory at the University of Virginia and has both talked the talk and walked the walk using weak ties in her own life to catapult her progress. Meg Jay is the author of The Defining Decade that reached the shelves of bookstores in record time in 2012, all thanks to a mishap encounter. Now, how did this happen? Was it purely luck or was it perhaps her strong ties? Well, not quite. It was actually the help of a certain weak tie. A year before Jay started writing her book, a large box of books accidentally arrived on her doorstep. 
So immediately, Jay reaches out to return these books to the large New York City publishing house that had incorrectly sent them to her. And so over the years, she keeps in touch via email, just exchanging ideas and doing small favors for them across the span of a year. She very much planted the seed softly here. The lesson is that making acquaintances over an extended period of time forms a weak tie. You don't have to rush in with relationships. I'm a big believer that the best relationships take time to nurture and we have to fan the flames gently rather than smothering them all at once with our attention. And so this is exactly what Meg Jay is doing here. She's just drip feeding them value via email, exchanging ideas with the publisher, helping them with small favors, providing her feedback. And then eventually when it came time to publish her own book, she courageously made the ask of the publishing house where the connection had already been built and when, crucially, the timing was right. And what do you know, thanks to that weak tie, Jay was immediately introduced to publishers and the defining decade could hit bookstores in record time. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because Meg Jay's urban tribe which is her close circle, maybe could have helped her books survive. They would have bought a copy loyally as her friends. They would have motivated her for sure when they had dinner with her, when they hung out with her. But they wouldn't have necessarily helped her thrive like this weak tie did. And all that Jay did was accept some of the weak ties requests, which was creating an instructor's guide and offering some book advice for them to the publishing house. Very small favours, but these favours would form the bedrock of a connection. And ultimately, a key thing for you to remember today is that information and opportunity spread further and faster through weak ties. And so when Jay did her homework after that first interaction, she could plant the seed by doing these favors and knowing that this opportunity would actually culminate faster than if she had stuck to her loyal friends that knew a previous version of herself but didn't know this new version of herself. Now, there's actually a phenomenon which breaks this down very nicely called the Ben Franklin effect. In the late 1700s, Ben Franklin was a state-level politician in Pennsylvania who wanted to win over a legislator. He intentionally made himself incredibly interesting and relevant, not by digging into his passions, but actually by finding out what the legislator liked and being overly helpful. So once again, just like Meg Jay did, Ben Franklin starts doing a small series of favours for the legislator, helping him out here, providing feedback here. And after enough seeds were planted, after he'd cultivated a connection with this weak tie, then he can ask him for a favor. And this opens the floodgates for larger favors later on, because us humans, we are consistent. We want to think of ourselves as consistent. So if we invest in someone, we do someone a favor, it instantly becomes easier to do a subsequent favor. And in fact, Franklin referenced this in an old maxim, which is from his autobiography. And I quote, He hath once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom yourself have obliged. So in other words, both Ben Franklin and Meg Jay are proponents of leveraging these weak ties to help them get where they wanted. 
social networks have become increasingly narrow, and especially in adulthood, where our careers become more and more defined, and this ends up shutting the door on the plethora of new connections that we might have been exposed to earlier in life. Think about your time at college or university when you had thousands of people potentially around you. If you went to university, if not, think back further to school, where you were surrounded with dozens or hundreds of school kids around your circle. In a career, it's much more defined. At an identity level, this is what you work as, and these are the kind of people that you are expected to hang out with. And that's why cultivating these weak ties can be such a critical relationship. Because the truth is, it's often the people who know you least well that create the most transformative experiences for you. And these new opportunities often come from outside of your inner circle, as we can see with the Ben Franklin effect. So choosing to embrace weak ties is a decision to help your future self. If I had to spell out the difference between strong ties and weak ties in one sentence, it's that strong ties got you to where you are today, but weak ties will get you to where you need to be in the future. As a business leader, here's three ideas that you can use to cultivate weak ties in your own life. First, meet with an executive level leader in a completely different industry to you, where there's no immediate mutual value, if you like, beyond seeing how they actually operate. And this could plant the seed of serendipity for more mutual learning opportunities in the future. If you're on a similar level to them, this is what I call a parallel trajectory. People who aren't in direct competition with each other, but that you can definitely learn from. Second, let's say that you're trying to raise investment. Well, instead of reaching out to a venture fund directly, what if you joined a community of investors and actually took the time to understand how they worked from the ground up? That could lead to, again, more serendipitous opportunity in your life. And third and finally, you may have been supported by mentors and coaches up to this point, What if you took the leap to hire a new one, someone who's going to get you to that next level as a leader that doesn't know you so well and maybe doesn't have the biases and assumptions that someone you've been working with for years or decades might have? It's not just who and what our ties know that matters, though, ultimately. A key part of this is how we communicate with them. The best way to know how we communicate is to become aware of the different speech that we use with the different kinds of connections that we have. So this is very similar, and you can think about this as when you're talking to a friend, all your communication guards are down. You're just using informal speech to connect with them. But if you go to a job interview, you are communicating on a very different set of rules. It's much more formal, much more professional. And so the point here is that depending on the relationship will depend on how you speak. And surprise, surprise, we speak very differently to someone who's a strong tie than someone who's a weak tie. And this can actually be a big advantage for you as a business leader. We can think of this difference as the mental model of restricted versus elaborated speech. So what do these two mean? Well, restricted speech 
relies on colloquial shortcuts. So these are terms that you've learned by being part of the in crowd. So this is like when you joined a new job and in your first week, acronyms and phrases that you don't understand are being thrown over your head left and right in the office. And it leaves you feeling completely confused. Without context, the communication just doesn't make sense. Now, the problem with this slang vocabulary when you have an in-group of tribal members is that they share assumptions about one another and the world. The tribe understands how they communicate and that's fine. But when you put someone from outside the tribe in the group, it creates friction. And so depending on the sources of whether you're in the same group for work, a sports team, for a university class, it can limit not only what you know and how you talk, but ultimately how you think, which is perhaps the most dangerous part of all. And so because of this restriction, hopefully you can start to see how limiting these strong ties can be with the language that it forces you into. On the other hand, elaborated speech is used with weak ties, where we communicate from a place of difference. Unlike restricted speech, elaborated speech does not assume that the listener has a certain amount of context or understands these language phrases, or honestly, more importantly, that the listener thinks a certain way. None of those assumptions are present. And what this means is when we're using elaborated speech, when we have to really be rigorous and think through our thinking, This forces us to be more thorough in how we communicate, which ultimately drives deeper connection. Your comfort zone is only going to grow stronger when you stick to your inner tribe. And since you only exercise restricted speech, it's going to be ridden with assumptions. Now, don't get me wrong that there is a time and place for these strong ties in how they loyally support you and the feeling of security that they give you. But if you're listening to this, odds are you're ambitious and you're looking to grow. And I can assure you that the growth happens with weak ties. And that means that when you're willing to change yourself and the assumptions that you've been making about how you communicate, you change the trajectory for your future self as well. Weak ties are like strong, long bridges. You can't see all the way across, so there's no telling where they might lead. But if you trust in your ability to build a firm foundation, you might find yourself on the other side of that journey with a powerful new relationship. The fastest way to this connection is one phone call, one email, one box of books, or just one favor. Choose to be the wise person who makes their own luck. Choose to survive and thrive as a leader with the support of your weak ties. Hey, it's Ben here. Just before you head off, one quick thing. We love connecting with our listeners. And if you've learned something today, we'd love to hear what you took away by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings make a big difference in helping Subject Matters message grow. And we're curious to know what you took away from today's episode, as that will help us create even more useful content for you in the future. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Subject Matter.